This is the Orange Podcast, conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader. Thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Orange Podcast in a week where Orange City Council's plan to build more footpaths stepped up a gear. On the show this week, how looking at a single object from our shared history in a museum, say a child's wooden pencil case, can trigger thoughts of generations past. That story later. But first, work has begun to spend more money on building footpaths in Orange than probably ever before in a single year. But which footpaths should be built first? at the front of your place or mine. Orange City Council's Works Depot manager, Wayne Gailey, reveals the system that decides which streets and neighbourhoods should get their footpaths upgraded and who will have to wait. Well, we look at things like um, the proximity to attractors, like schools and shops, and, and then there's safety issues, like is it on a busy road? Um, is it close to an aged care facility? Um, and... There's a number of factors like that that we'll take into consideration. We give each one a score um, and then we will um, come up with a ranking. When we've got that ranking, we can then say, OK, well, um, here's a, a given a, a set budget for the year. Here's the number of jobs that we can deliver. And that's how we come up with our program. It's similar for our footpath rehabilitation too, where we're digging up the old footpaths that have, um, you know, they've tree roots are causing trip hazards or you know it's just really old or whatever same sort of system but then we also factor in um, the actual condition and how hazardous the existing footpath is as well. Why do you put spray paint all over the hazards in the footpaths? That's a very good question and a lot of people will say to our staff if you can spray paint it why can't you fix it? Well it the, the spray painting's there to highlight the fact that there's a hazard. We can't get around to fix every footpath in five minutes. We've got a limited budget. There's a lot of work out there to do, I must admit. Um, so this is designed to highlight the fact that there's a hazard for people that are using our footpaths. What about new developments, Wayne, that don't have footpaths or say in the last 20 years they've been built, they don't have footpaths, are they ever going to get footpaths? Um... So some of the new subdivision areas um, have had contributions made at, at, at the time of subdivision, before all the houses are built, um, by the developer of that land towards um, the construction of new footpaths. So council collects that money and then at a certain point in time when there, there's a, I guess, you know, say greater than 80% of the houses are built, council will come in and put the footpath in. We don't want to do it any earlier than that because... Um, the process of building houses uh, means that you've got heavy trucks running over them and, and things like that. So um, we want to minimise the damage and put them in at, at the appropriate time. There are some areas of Orange um, that um, didn't operate under that contribution system um, when those subdivisions were, were done. Um, so uh, no money was taken f for those. So they'll work through the process um, and be put into, um, I guess, a, a list of priorities for implementation later on. But it is quite a long list, I must say. So Council tripled its footpath budget this year. How many extra footpaths can you get with that money? That equates to um, somewhere between seven and eight kilometres of uh, a footpath. And um, so normally we would do 
probably you know one and a half, but you know on the on the on the usual budget. So that's quite a lot more. That's quite a lot more. Yeah, it's good. It's filling in filling in a lot of the missing links around town. The program's being delivered by a combination of council's own in-house resources and um, and local contractors. Um, they are um, they have big a big workload. Um, this financial year and going on into the future um, and uh, it's it's really good to see that infrastructure um, being put in place and people out there it, I you know see it every day there's more and more people getting out and using these facilities that we're putting in so it's good to see. Works Depot Manager Wayne Gailey was talking to comms team member Nicole Taylor. The brand new exhibition at the Orange Regional Museum has drawn a steady stream of visitors since it opened last week. It's interesting how glancing at a single object in that exhibition, say a child's wooden pencil case, can trigger rich memories. That was certainly the case for a member of Orange City Council who I caught up with at the museum earlier this week. We've come to the Inherit exhibition at the Orange Regional Museum and it's one of the interesting things as you look at so many objects is to see the memories that uh, a, a simple object can evoke. In front of us is a, uh, a carved wooden pencil case that some small child in Canoundra has um, kept their slate pencils and other bits and pieces and we're with uh, Orange City Council's Services Committee Chair, Councillor Scott Munro. Scott, um, what do you think about when you see a, a small child's school pencil case from you know, 100 years ago? Oh, look, it's wonderful to come to this exhibition. Uh, as I walked in, there's an Aboriginal elder on, on, a, uh, on a, a, a video and uh, you know, just explaining about the Radjuri people and the rest of it. First thing, that, gro- that grabbed me and then I, I looked at this uh, pencil case and read about the little girl and and the and Canoundra, and uh, and I and I thought straight away about my grandmother uh, and her stories that she told me when I was a child mm-hmm. uh, of interactions with the Aboriginal people and how they swapped uh, fish and rabbits for for vegetables that the family grew. And my grandmother was the eldest of t- of twelve children, and um, uh, of course, in those days, you can imagine. Um, there wasn't very good health services. Uh, her mother wasn't very well after those 12 children, of course, and uh, she gave up school at 12 years old to look after the rest of the family. And agriculture is in my blood through her because she she uh, told me so many stories of the hardships of just getting water to the to the vegetable patch and growing the stock and the and in a small way. Mm at Moralia down near Windsor. For me, the exhibition brings back those memories. I think it's important that people come and have a, a little look because we've all got um, history. Um, you know, we're First Fleeters and I'm very proud of our tradition and what we've, what, where we've come to this point. And when you think about it, it's not much more than 100 years ago that my grandmother was born and she was really only the second generation um, Australian. When you see a, a pencil case and, and children using slate pencils to write on pieces of slate, um, yeah. and now they're into um, every child's got a, a laptop. Yeah, or an iPad or whatever. I know my children, you know, they're teaching me uh, how to use things. And, you know, they're only 13, but they're, they're whizzes. 
But on the other hand, would they be able to grow vegetables and would they be able to survive in those days? Mm. These are the I sorts wonder. of discussions that come when you have a, a single object in front of you and now we're talking about um, how kids grow up and how you grow vegetables. Is, do you think that's part of how a museum can work? Look, there's so many things, so many ways you can tentacle off a, an idea. Um, it's just amazing when you, when you come to these places. It's great that Orange has got this museum and it's a great facility. And I encourage everyone to come and have a, a little look because those childhood memories that I haven't thought of that for years and years and years until I walked in the door. And it brings back uh, those stories of um, that interaction with my grandmother as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, uh, interacting with... Uh, the Aboriginal women at, at uh, Cat Eye Creek in Moralia and um, in the stories they told her and it's just amazing really. If you're inviting people to come and have a look at an exhibition you're actually inviting mums and dads to talk with their kids about the way they grew up and how things have changed. Well I think for our children to understand where we've come from and the hardships that we've endured they might appreciate what they got a little bit more and be less selfish and less and more more willing to help others, you know, maybe. There's some good discussions and debates for families to have about uh, Indigenous Australians and, and what's happening in, in our contemporary Australia. Well, look, you know, at the end of the day, when they had nothing, when people had nothing, white and black, uh, when they had nothing, they were together and they lived together and they managed together as they did. And, and my grandmother used to say to me on many occasions about what they taught her, because you had to walk everywhere or, or ride a horse. Mm. So as much as it was only 40 kilometres from Sydney, uh, it may as well have been 200 miles away or 500 miles away because it was in the bush mm. and you had to do for yourself. And black and white were just as resourceful as each other. <laughs> So I think that's a, that's a good story too. Council Member Scott Munro. Next up, Orange City Council CEO David Waddell with a wrap of the week that was. Well, another big week. Spring is definitely here. Apart from that one rain day, um, everything is starting to come out. And this is actually my favourite time of year. We all come out of hibernation. Good to hear from Councillor Munro about the museum. Again, we saw that exhibition preview last week it is a cracker so get out there the um the thing the best thing that happened this week for me was one of our workers ellie bryce went out into the cbd and um handed out and met shopkeepers and retailers and landlords about future city and what our plans are and it really reinforced through the feedback you get how important it is to engage with the community um, and she's bringing great ideas back she's got a few criticisms but you know, what's the problem? That's the job, to run the city. What do you think face-to-face -face adds to that process? Oh, it just gives them a face they can ring. Otherwise, you write your letter to the general manager or you ring some person you just don't know and you, and you get a bit nervous. But if you can ring that girl up that you met, bingo, you've made a real connection with council. Anyway, have a great weekend um, and I'll see you around. Thanks for being here for the show this week. If you like what you hear, do subscribe where you get your podcasts. Simply search for The Orange Podcast. Until next time, bye for now.